Repay to Caesar what is Caesar's, and repay to God what is God's. I want to return to this book that I've been reading, uh, that I've broken open a couple of times over the last several months, uh, called um, uh, Learning How to See by uh, Brian McLaren. He gives, if you remember, 13 um, different biases with which we, in a sense, are challenged to see clearly, all in beginning with the letter C. So, a little pun on the word C, C. Oh, I know, I know, it's too early, I get it. All right, so these two I want to break open are the one that's called, um, first of all, is competency bias, and the second one is consciousness bias. So company bi- competence bias is this. Competence bias says that we are incompetent to see how incompetent we are. We don't, know, we don't know how much we don't know because we don't know. I mean, that's just it. And it's sort of straightforward when you think of it. But we don't know that when we're, when we're especially in the middle of an argument. Like, we, we want to win. And we don't realize how little we really know, but we continue to push and argue from a level of competence when, in fact, we're not competent in that area. Now, equally, we could also underestimate our incompetence. So we could be very competent in a subject, but generally... That's, not as, that's pretty rare. It's the other one that's more common. The second one is consciousness bias. Now, consciousness bias is very similar to this, but it's, it's, it's more of a, is that we don't realize how much we don't know. And therefore, we're not conscious of how biased or how limited our knowledge is. One is we think we're, we're competent and we're not. This one is we don't even know how little we know. So an example of this one would be, like a child learning algebra, like learning, you know, how to add and multiply and subtract, has no clue of algebra, has no clue of geometry, right? So they don't, there's a consciousness bias, right? They would never understand that. Now, those who understand geometry and algebra can look back and see how little the child knows, but but is, is aware, it's conscious, right? So it, it also is sometimes called cognitive maturity bias. So we have to kind of grow up. Now, they kind of go together. And I think the best way to describe these is, is so, so why is that so important in today's? Well, because you've got the Herodians in today's gospel, are one group, and then you've got another group called the Pharisees. Now, they were not together. They did not like each other. But they came together for a common enemy, and that common enemy was Jesus. And they ask a question, but not because they want to increase their knowledge, not because they want to grow, because they want to entrap Jesus. So you can already see where they're setting up their consciousness bias, right? They're, they're not really interested in more knowledge. They just want to reinforce. This goes back to one of his first biases called confirmation bias, that they just want to know what they already know. But in this case, they're really trying to trick him into it. And, and so here's the interest. So the Herodians sided with Herod against uh, Caesar. So it was a political bias, right? That's a different one. But then you've got the Pharisees, the religious bias, because to even have a, to have a, a, a coin with, and to claim that you were divine, Caesar, was in itself heretical. It was, it was basically against the first commandment. They were God. So both groups were trying to trick him. No matter what way he answered, he was going to get trapped. But see, Jesus sees the trap, 
and doesn't answer the question. So he, he answered it by condemning them in a very subtle way, and you might not notice. But he says, show me the coin. And of course, one of them pulls out the coin and shows it to them. Well, even to have had the coin in their hand was a sin. So in reality, he was condemning, they were condemning themselves that they had one in their pocket or in their purse, meant that they were already abiding by sin. So he traps them. He doesn't point that out, but we should recognize that. Then he says, well, give to Caesar what's Caesar, and that's the coin. And then, of course, what you see here is whose image is on that. The better translation for that will be whose icon, because it's originally written in Greek, whose icon is that? Which would immediately be the same word that was written in Genesis, and those Pharisees would have known this. They would have heard whose icon is that? It was the same icon where made man, icon in the image of, father, of, of, um, image of God. So male and female are made in the image of God, in the icon of God. So immediately when you hear that, they were saying, whose image is that? That's Caesar's. And of course, immediately harkens them back to to Genesis, who created you? Then he says, then give to God what is God's. Well, what, what is God's? Everything. So he turns around and double condemns them. He says, everything is God's, so now give it back to God. Now he says, give it back or pay back. Again, the better translation here would be render, which is to owe oneself completely to God. So you owe, it's rendering is, is you, you, you give everything back. So anyway, so what's the purpose? So what are we to do with this? And it's a great phrase, and it's great to understand it, but how are we meant to live it? Well, here's the thing is, we have to understand how biased we really are in our life. And we have to understand how little we know and to be humble about what we don't know. And, and there's, when you have a certain sense of humility before God, then you, you don't get into the sort of the political or religious arguments because you recognize God is in charge of all of us. And that what we're called to do is, of course, which we'll hear in the next section of this gospel, is to love one another. See, love becomes a unifying uh, theme over and over again. That, that it, and this is Jesus' constant message from God. That stop the political, stop the religious divisions, and love one another as I have loved you. Now, look, the best way to understand this is, you know, many of you know I love to hike. And when you're hiking up a mountain uh, and you get further up the mountain, you see more and more as you go up the mountain, right? This illustrates both of these two biases. Now, when you're at the middle of the mountain and you see these beautiful views, you think, oh, my God, this is a beautiful mountain. This is gorgeous. Now, you could stop there and go back and say, yeah, I saw the mountain. But you really don't see all the mountain until you get to the very top. And when you get to the very top, you got that 360-degree view of everything. Now you see everything. And you would have missed that had you stopped halfway up. Now you might say that's, well, there is a lot of work, and that last half of the mountain is a lot more hard work than the first half, because it's usually steeper. That's very much like our discipleship. Now we could settle, we could settle for the first half of our discipleship, and we see a lot, but we have to acknowledge how biased we are. We don't see as much as we will when we get to the top. But it's so much more hard work on the second half because you start to have to really give yourself away. But that's the purpose of discipleship. The first half is only kind of getting us to sort of wetting our appetite to climb the mountain. When we start doing the second half of the mountain, you start to really appreciate how little we really know about life, and how God 
is everywhere in life. When you get to the top of the mountain, you look out and you see the vastness. You feel your size. You feel how small you are and yet how beautiful everything is. The further we get into our discipleship, the more we love and sacrifice ourselves for others, the more we realize how wonderful life is and how little I play a role in all of it, but how powerful God is in all of it. So how does that come down to us for all of us today? Well, it means we have to, we have to make it a little more work for ourselves and, and, and giving ourselves away and, and not get into these arguments. Understand how biased we are and how narrow we can see sometimes, that whether that be religious or whether that be political, and, and not get into the arguments because it's not helpful. What will unify us is love. Am I loving better today than I did a month ago? Am I loving better today than I did a year ago? And if not, then what can I let go of so that I can get further up the mountain? That I can be more giving of myself? Whether that be more forgiving or whether that be more giving as in giving myself away. The challenge lies before us is that everything we have is God's. So let's not get caught up in the divisions of religious or political. Let's follow the Lord with all our heart, with all our might, with all our strength. To love the Lord our God by loving one another. That's the real test. Render to Caesar what is Caesar's, but render to God what is God's every day.